A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. As soon as he descended the 15 stories of the headquarters of the Lions sponsors in a branded elevator on Wednesday, Andy Farrell was back in Ireland mode as thoughts turned towards his squad announcement on Wednesday. Now that is a sentence designed specifically to grind Murph's gears. Welcome to the pod. Hey Murph, hey Si, again. Hey, hey old name Murph. That is a Lions branded elevator. Yeah. Here on. That was... Okay. I mean, are we going to play this audio of yes. Welsh rugby player getting, you know, eaten by a lion? We yes. are going to play that every time you mention the Lions between now and the summer of 2025. I really, I, I can't argue with that. Those them. words were written by our guest today, Roy O'Connor, reporting from London last week as Andy Farrell was announced as head coach of the Lions. We are taking them boys to the Hurt Arena that this was, weekend. That was from the 2013 tour to Australia. That's right. Since he's grown up a lot since then. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't coach in quite the same. It's a job, Murph, that apparently requires him to take a break from coaching Ireland during next year's Six Nations. State of Affairs that you spoke at length about last week on the World Service. You've expressed extreme displeasure with this. Well. Your basic point being he could quite easily coach Ireland's Six Nations. Keep an eye on the Champions Cup knockout stages. Take a week to pick the squad. Lose a bunch of players to injury anyway (laughs) and still have more than enough to win a series in Australia. Well, I don't like you putting words in my mouth, but that is an almost entirely accurate summation of my summary, feelings. Yeah, it's yeah. a 30-second summary of your 30-minute rant from last week. You got so head up, World Service member Shane Kenny noticed you went full Dumbelievables. I know. I kn- the Six Nations, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what else are you going to be watching? <laughs> so, I, so I talked at legs, but also at great height. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and height. Like yeah. any good podcast contribution. Spoke yeah. at length and indeed height. Mm. Rory was in London for that announcement. He was in Toulon on Saturday to watch Munster put off one of their great away European wins. Yeah, they're a funny team in that they're like a crammer before an exam where unless it's just on the brink of being too late, they can't <laughs> fully perform. But like they fixed the line out, their defence was transformed, like a Nash and Hodnett and Casey probably had his best ever game for Munster, maybe his best ever game of pro rugby. Um, and they kind of meshed together what they've been doing well since this new coaching ticket came in, which is their attacking game, mm-hmm. with all the basics that seemed to sort of fall apart a little bit. Now, part of that was injuries, but part of it was coaching and just maybe too much focus on transforming their attack. But when they put the two together and they have the likes of Peter Manny back and a few of the other, Nankaville in defence, well, attack and defence in the centre, 
Uh, it's amazing how much you can change from one week to, the, to another. And it was only three people that really came back for them. Omani, Nankaville and Scannell, the hooker. But that just transformed everybody around them as well. They also brought back uh, some boot-biting bollock, though. And that's, <laughs> that's what's important. Some stand-up yeah. and fight. Well, there was a bit of that going on, but mainly boot-biting bollock. It was a horrible feeling. <laughs> this is what happens when you put Brano in charge of the rugby hockeys. It's all the Tony Ward. Yeah. Random Tony Ward. <laughs> a great soccer player as well, of course. He was. What was he talking about there? Uh, what are you talking about? Well, when he scored 19 points, which I believe was an Irish points record at the time, and he was dropped for the, the very next week for uh, that for bastard Ollie Campbell. I was going to say to Ken now. Oh, sorry. Were you a Campbell or a Ward man? Ward. What was it about Tony Ward's play that you liked more so than Ollie Campbell? I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So what do Munster need to do? What do all the Irish provinces need to get through to the knockout rounds of this impossibly convoluted competition? Only one man could possibly figure out the answers. I'll leave Yamaka's out for this one. Well, the winners of all the eight ties go through to the quarterfinals. <laughs> Permutations, man, that's you, yeah. Uh, you're right, Odd. It's basically impossible to get knocked out of a sporting event. So you know what that means. Permutations are plenty. The top two overall seeds at the end of the Investec Champions Cup 23-24 season. Pool stages. They get home advantage all the way up to and including the semi-final stage. So the top two overall seeds at home all the way through to the semi-finals. So Leinster may have already qualified from their pool, but they will still be aiming to win away to Leicester next weekend. One match point will be enough to ensure they finish as pool winners, but they have every incentive to go for that win. They need Bordeaux, who have already qualified, to lose away to the Bulls. And let's face it, they may well spare their frontliners a trip to South Africa. There's every chance. Yep. They then need to hope... Is that, that the Toulouse- high belt? I mean, it's in South Africa. I mean, Where a couple of extra... Uh, Pretoria. Yeah, high belt. See? That's why we keep them around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, uh, Leicester then also ho- need to hope that Toulouse don't beat Bath. Bath don't get a bonus point in beating Toulouse. And then that Munster beat Northampton. So... You know, not beyond the bounds of possibility. Munster need a single point against Northampton in that game to progress, but they'll still obviously be going for all five points to ensure a decent playoff draw. Ulster know a win for them away to Harlequins will get them through, uh, but that's going to be pretty difficult. As for Connacht, there is still a mathematical chance for them, obviously given you know the fact that there's no teams basically get ruled out until the last <laughs> seconds of this uh, tournament. It is extremely unlikely for Connacht, though. They need a bonus point win over Bristol at home on Friday night while denying denying Bristol any points whatsoever. And then hope Saracens lose heavily to Leon on Saturday without a bonus point for Saris either. So And Saris have plenty to play for, uh, as indeed do Bristol. So it's not looking likely for, for Connacht. And quite frankly, if you lose three games in the way the Connacht have lost in this particular <laughs> tournament they have no place qualifying fifth place in all pools qualifies you for the Challenge Cup so that bonus point win would do that at least for Connacht if they were to get that bonus point win over Bristol Ulster similarly will finish fifth as long as uh, Cardiff don't do anything wildly out of character like win a game of rugby <laughs> or anything daft like that so nice, don't I actually know the permutations that I'm more confused after your well that's that's the competition's fault. That is the competition's fault. Basically, you, you, you were you can just, only permutate what's in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you permutated as best you could for like the couple of uh, Irish teams, and you didn't really you didn't really go any deeper, Simon. Yeah. So I felt honour bound to go a little deeper, confuse everyone, possibly bore a good proportion, <laughs> uh, but at least give you some information. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Pencil. I was watching Jaws the other night and I was like, fuck, this is a good analogy now for Munster. Uh, <laughs> I was like, bear with me here now. I was like, so Munster is like the, the boat, right? And uh, yep. they're, they're all in the boat, the team. And then you've got Amity Island, which is the island that has been tormented by the shark. Yep. And that's like the province and the, the people and the fans and the friends and family okay. and then you've got the shark and that's Toulon like and yeah. he is tearing lumps out of the boat and he's like and there's been loads of casualties like Keith Earls is gone his knee was bitten off and then uh, you know we have to remember who we've got in the field and uh, <laughs> you know we've got that crazy captain guy with the beard and the pipe yeah Robert Shaw that's Robert Peter, Shaw that's Peter O'Malley yeah quit that Peter O'Malley, he's like, yeah. manic, he will die, die on, on that, that boat. boat. He, yeah. That boat will go down and he'll go with it. He just wants to kill a shark. like. And yeah. then you've got like that nerd, Richard Dreyfus, who's yeah. like Felix Jones doing yeah. all the homework and he knows the shark's, the shark's inside, inside out. out. And then you've got the chief and that's like Conor Murray. He, you know, you know, he's yeah. not, we know he's not going to die. He's... He's going to be the saver in the end. He's too cool to die. <laughs> too cool to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Andrew and Conway is kind of like the, the fire extinguisher that blows up the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Conway. He's missed his touch there. They could have done with that one going out. Oh, Conway! Samuel, lads, it'll, uh, it'll happen. The Irish Independence, Rory O'Connor, is in studio, having been in Toulon on Saturday. Rory, how are you? Good, thanks. And nice trip, I hope. It was a nice one for Munster. That's okay. Munster 10-0 down on the back of an injury nightmare. Poor performances. Games they should be winning that they're losing. All sorts going on. Criticism. So, of course, they come back and play the best 60 minutes, 70 minutes of their season and, and register a famous away win. We never doubted them. No, you never never write them off. The, I mean, like, they... <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that. The but, script, yeah. the script is, should be tired at this stage, but, you know, every time they do it, it's still, I suppose, new cast of characters. It makes it it's somewhat different and somewhat special. And, and they really suck you in. You know, it takes a few weeks if you go, no, they're gone. They're dead and buried this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I, think, I think that win was right up there with anything they've really ever produced, considering where they were the list of injuries which we talked about in here the last couple of times I've been in 
obviously they had a few bodies back and, and some very important bodies and I think O'Mahony made a huge difference to them in terms of galvanising those young players but it was the young players as well who stepped up and delivered a really big performance on the eve of the Six Nations squad being announced as well for an extra layer of kind yeah. of narrative as well so like they've got a lot of guys who were probably on the fringes who you would imagine can move the dial so um, it did look quite bleak when, when um, the winger went the entire length of the field and then set, it, set the try up and, and you know, from nothing, from the first really moment that Munster had an attack, mm. you know, Crowley puts in a bit of a nothing kick, and they go to go to distance, and the Stad Felix Mayall was all on, on their feet. You know, it looked like Toulon were back; they needed to win as well. And and from there, Munster, um, what was most impressive about it was probably the way they did it, the the variation of their play, the fact that they st- stayed through to what delivered them the URC title mm. last year, the style of play, um. They were courageous in what they did, and it was it was very very impressive. Um, and it leaves them in a like they'll probably have to go away from home again in the last sixteen. That was their first away win of the season, which is mad considering they won the URC basically on a big away yeah, run. But yeah. it gives them such faith in what they can do if they if they can perform away from home now. Well, we're sort of waiting for them to marry this new phase attack with the other basics, and a lot of it's been down to personnel. But obviously, the line had improved massively uh, with Peter Manny back. Um, the fact that Scanlon was back. But then the biggest thing for me was their defence. Mm. And was that Nankerville? Was that just things are starting to work uh, for them in general? Or why do you think that was? That's a good question. Um, like, if you think about it, Toulon didn't really break them. They broke them off a monster attack, a real a moment of absolute pure individual quality. The rest of the game, there was a bit of dis- despair in there. There was, there was, you know, there was, they went over Crowley a couple of times in the first 10, 15 minutes and there was a lot of scramble. But even Crowley himself, Gavin Coombs were stripping players on the line. There, were, there was an aggression to what they did. Like, is it O'Mahony? Like, I think O'Mahony does. Roundtree, you refer to the uh, Roundtree said it afterwards. He just makes a difference to this different, team. Yeah. And I kind of hate this sort of talk because it, it, it was around Sexton for a long time. Unless he's in camp, training's different. I know you say this yeah. and you wouldn't say it lightly, but I kind of hate that talk because it just seems like how can these professional but, players have got to are, this level still be influenced by yeah, this older fella? But they are though. Not just that Ty Byrne who's captaining the team. He was saying afterwards, mm. uh, you, you had some great quotes from him, Rory, that he didn't even realise how much he leans on Peter Manning mm. until Omani's oh back in and yeah. suddenly it's like oh thank fuck I can actually go to him have yeah. conversations about certain things get him to talk to the other players oh, I don't have to do it all the time it doesn't sound like Tyke Byrne really is a natural <laughs> no I don't think he is captain, so it helps have Omani a few involved. weeks ago I was asked in one of the games um I think it was when when Mamani went off, and you know, so we we're talking about a couple of months ago, who was the leaders in that group? And I genuinely couldn't identify, you know, the leaders in the group that was on the pitch. Like Craig Casey has leadership qualities, and I think could be a monster captain in time. But there's not a lot of them out there. Crowley obviously does, but I mean, he couldn't burden a, no, a young number ten with captaincy as well. Mm-hmm. I think that, the, that there's a there's a few things to go there. I think Zebo's come in and been a bit of a leader for them, but again, not probably a captain and also a fullback struggles. So, and also you have so many young players who are still who are really talented and have won a URC, but they're still very early in their career. When when they said it about Sexton in Ireland, it was a bit more difficult to digest because this is the Ireland team and they're all you know, they're provincial captains and all sorts around, so they really shouldn't be dropping off when Sexton's not around. I understand them more with Munster. And I know we like we look for tangible stuff that we can actually attribute. And you look at Omani's numbers on Saturday, they're they're pretty average mm. but watching him and it, his composure with ball in hand his aggression around the breakdown what he brought to the line out that assurance along with Scannell he does make a big difference to Munster um, he was last out of, the, uh, out of the tunnel which I thought was really really interesting you know he's led Munster for 
nearly 12 years mm. and this was the first time he wasn't captain and he was almost quite pointedly the last man out but as soon as the ball kicked off he was the he's the spiritual leader yeah. and he will be as long as he's there and it kind of goes against this idea of you know don't worry about what I say I don't need to say I must just be the best player you know the leader be the best player and kind of follow what I do but actually a man he didn't play particularly well and yet everybody's saying he had this influence and I, I actually agree that the players believe it and the likes of Rentree believe that this is the case the likes of Sexton O'Mahony can galvanise others I just find it baffling that people have reached this level uh, and then still it can make another huge difference to them to have one or two characters on the field yeah, Andy Farrell calls them glue players and, you know, we've all been part of teams where it doesn't work, you know, there's really good players on there and it doesn't, it doesn't work for whatever reason and these people who spend an awful lot more time thinking about team building, they, they really do value these individuals, you know, it, like, the England captaincy is up for grabs at the moment, the Ireland captaincy is up for grabs at the moment and we're all debating the, the, the who's and what's of it. But Farrell, I think, and you know Steve Borthwick and these people are probably looking for something that, well, they know the characters a lot better than we do, but I think they're looking for those players who might not be 10 out of 10 every week, you know, say Caelan Doris. Maybe he doesn't have that ability to knit everything together in a way that on Omahan he would. So um, it's it's really hard to identify, but you, it, you, you know it when you see it. Yeah. And Omahan, is, it's very clear. It's natural self-confidence. You know, he don't have the months for 10 years. Uh, you know, get, get the gig as a 22, 23-year-old from, yeah. from Doug Howlett, unless you've got something. And he captained every team growing up, as we know. And like he, He's had patches where it hasn't gone great, and, and he's been through an awful lot with Munster. Um but he's still the most important voice in that dressing room by by a long distance. And like I've described him as a wartime consigliere. Like he's a guy you want to go into battle. I think around she says that in, in the quotes that he he said afterwards. He, he's a warrior, a proven warrior, and um, it can be trite when you say stuff like that. But there is there's a reason they picked him to captain the lines, even though that didn't go well. Like he has that quality that that maybe is missing in some other players. Well, see what's going to happen with the Ar- Ireland captaincy on Wednesday. Mm. We've talked about that quite a bit in the last few weeks. Just just quickly, who is the favourite for that? Is it? O- I've injected bookies. Because uh, it was originally Omani, and that seems to have gone cold because he mightn't even be IRFU centrally contracted next year and yeah. various various issues around that. But the, you couldn't rule him out entirely. Who, who's you couldn't rule out. I think James Ryan's probably the most likely in terms of even watching the the, the footage from the Netflix Six Nations uh, documentary. Ryan and Ringrose lift. So Sexton and I think Earls lifted the trophy, and Ryan and Ringrose lift the triple crown together, and that almost defi- shows a hierarchy that's that's almost within the setup. And Ryan's not being talked about an awful lot, and, and he, look, he's not a very effusive personality, and he's not necessarily guaranteed his place, but he's he has captained Ireland quite a lot. So if you're thinking. If, if we think Oman, he isn't going to get there. And I'm still not sure. I, I, generally, I don't have any insight on this because they've kept it really, really tight. Um, but I, I think it's between probably Omahani, Ryan and Gary Ringrose, um, who is doing the co-captaincy. I, I hope they don't go down the co-captaincy route. I don't think, don't like it. don't think it works particularly well. Wales do it. Um, it seems like Ringrose has almost emerged as the de facto captain even in that relationship so he could he could end up being being the one but it's it's going to be it's you know it's one it's the thing we'll all look at first when we look open that email on on Wednesday so is that um out now the Netflix the Netflix no just the trailers yeah ah, the, the screeners trailers. coming oh, okay. out this week right. there's a premiere in London tonight I think and then okay. it'll be after the Six Nations launch next week but it's it's coming very soon slight footnote I know but be interesting to see what they've done with all that just the younger players you said in the Munster team that mm. have put their hands up now for this squad selection on Wednesday who particularly impressed you um, I thought John Hodnett was exceptional 
Um, a player who's never, I think, been in an Ireland camp, but you know, scored a try in that URC final win last year, and always shows up hard for Munster. He's a really good um, seven. Don't know if he's got the physical makeup. He's not as big, maybe as a Nick Timoney, but he, God, he makes up for it with his attitude and his work rate and his skill. Uh, Coombs, who I didn't think was really in the picture, it was probably his best game for at least one or two seasons. That he carried. He was one of the big. A couple of things happened within the game. I thought Casey's box kicking. They went to the boot. They kicked the ball twice as much as Toulon in the game and they stopped playing in the wrong areas and Casey's box kicking we saw it for the Calvin Nash try was absolutely on the money mm. I mean he could be moving ahead of Conor Murray in that Ireland picture now but Coombs then on the back of those kicks his carrying was phenomenal and he really put the team on his back and and, and got them going on the front foot and um, Tom Ahern um, is just growing and growing all the time his problem probably is that he's Coombs' problem is that he's the same age as Caelan Doris and um, Tom Ahern is, his issue has probably got Ryan Baird in the same mix for the same position it's, it's surreal that we have these two athletes in the country at the same time it's phenomenal you know Ahern does what he does and you know catches the ball out wide and such a unique skill having been a fullback as a younger man to be able to go say in those tram lines and claim a cross kick from Jack Crowley who again was very good as well mixed but very good and then uh, an hour or two later Ryan Baird's galloping through the Aviva like you know everyone says gallop it's a, the, the, that, that phrase no other player gallops but Ryan Baird <laughs> there's something horse-like about his quality but he is he's a thoroughbred I guess um, he, so, it, so they're advancing their case but so are, I thought there was a bit of a sense across the competition that the Six Nations the Six Nations month and a lot of performances went up I thought mm. a lot of the contenders showed up like Bordeaux La Rochelle showed up Um but in terms of Munster young young players, um, the other one I was going to um, point out was um, Crowley. Crowley was really like he just looked like an international talent. He responded to that error early on, the kick that led to the Toulon try. Funny, I was standing outside, but we were in front of the Munster coaches. We could hear everything they were saying. Mm. It's really the beauty of covering games in Europe is often that the press boxes are small and the coaches are out in the open with us and um, everyone was calling for him to make that kick they saw the space and it was the right decision but it was a bit of a nothing kick mm. so um, he was, he didn't it didn't phase him in any way and he, like, he got run over once or twice he bounced back with big defensive interventions and the two kicks he put in as try assists like Zebo who was another less young player who advanced his case no no end he called that but Crowley the kick he delivered was mm. perfect and the one he put up for Ahern as well mm. was absolutely inch perfect so in three weeks time he'll like barring an injury he's certain to be back in that neck of the woods they're playing in Marseille in three weeks time and he is Ireland's number 10 now for, oh, yeah. for, for the foreseeable so um He's not, as Graham Ranchi said after, he's not the finished article and there were mistakes in there. There was one point where he, he threw a pass and the entire coaching ticket for oh, Jesus, <laughs> as he did it. So, you know, he's like, no one's going to be perfect. So, yeah. you know, it, it's he got the, the the balance right in terms of the, the majority of his decisions worked out. Yeah, and he's been behind a beaten pack for a good bit of the season. Mm-hmm. Any other insights to being that close to the coaching team? Um, none come to, not come to mind right away, but they were... Um, they were just a vocal. It's just such an insight into seeing them, to how vocal they are. Um, Not entirely they, in control of their emotions, or is it more? But even just to shout at players, even though the players can't hear them, yeah. they're like you know, it's such a powerless position in so many ways. They do have ways of getting messages down. Um, they see the space very quickly so they, even that Crowley want, I think they wanted that kick a phase before yeah. they saw like Mike Prendergast calls Ebo like before Zebo saw it Mike Prendergast saw it and Zebo went for it and it's just they're so in tune with each other it's very interesting but yeah if you like if we could all watch it that way it's, it's the beauty of sports talks I suppose if, if you got that access and you knew what they wanted from the players it was very insightful in that yeah, way yeah. Simon Ulster you want to posit a theory that they are the Scotland of the club scene well, th- it did occur to me at the weekend now Toulouse were excellent and are the favourites for the tournament and I think we'll probably win it but 
it just sort of feels like you can't predict whether they'll win or lose or whether they'll play well or badly but you kind of feel they will eventually let you down in each tournament each season. There will come a point where they go, yeah, that's Ulster won't do the business when it really matters. Rory? Yeah, it's, you know, it's they, they had such promise from those three games, but it was just a sample size of three games and what went before was, was really poor. But they had built momentum. That win at Leinster was, was so good and, and you it, it really would have been so good for them to back it up against the Toulouse side who we all know are, are brilliant and bring DuPont and all of the things that they bring, like they were so slick and powerful at the same time. And even you know the young number eight they bring in, like he's he just looks magnificent as a player, you know. And they've got such depth. And Irish teams often you wonder how they compete. You know, too, like you put that Toulon team on paper, you wonder how that Munster team beat them. But they find a way. They have the game plan. They have the fitness. They have the the, the capacity to to move them around. They make good decisions. You know, now Toulouse are probably the least French of the franchise in terms of their you know they don't care about going to Ravenhill and I think Ulster made a mistake by putting an artificial pitch there as well because it just levels the playing field it, it d- diminishes your your home advantage I think it just makes it like any, it's, a, it's now become more of an identical ground so teams show up they have nice dressing rooms the pitch is just a complete like you know you know what you're going to get off it and t- DuPont loved it and LaBelle loved it and they all just and at first they were brilliant and I don't think many teams would have been able to live with them the way they played on that surface but you just want a bit more from Ulster when they're Yeah, you home. don't want to feel like the game is over after 15 minutes. No, and then they even got back in a position where you think they might, you know, they, they get the score and then it's gone again. Mm. And, you know, they they have lost Rob Herring and he's an important player in their tight five. They don't have the depth to really start going, losing from, from five players. Um, but they're still a little bit off it, you know, and that one win at Leinster on the back of, like the Racing performance is brilliant, but Racing are not to, to lose. And it looks like the three French teams who are really going to be serious in this competition are Toulouse, Stad, Stad Rochelet, sorry, um, and uh, Bordeaux, who looked exceptional. Mm. And I think when you see the way they can play, like Ulster are a bit off that at this stage. And they're in a real battle now because they got to go to Harlequins mm. at the weekend and win to see. Like I saw Ferris and Bo go, oh, we're, we're just not, not at this level. And maybe they're just beaten down at this stage, having watched Ulster for the last decade or more kind of losing these games but it just sort of struck me as a bit defeatist mm. because I don't know you can still make that game close 48 points at home full crowd on the back of those wins like feeling relatively good about yourself it's not good enough no it's not and McFarland's under pressure up there I know that the recent run has eased the pressure but he's been there an awful long time mm. And, you know, could you say they're improving year on year? I think they're treading water. And, yeah. and, like, they're not as good as they were two seasons ago. when Like, they had to, lo- to, lo- to lose themselves. Maybe not as good um, at to lose side as they are now. I think they were the current champions. But they had them in a really good position at Ravenhill in, a, I think, it was a two-legged quarterfinal. And they lost it. And then mm. they, they lost that URC semi-final against the Stormers. That was probably their season where they had a chance to go and do something. And it's just plateaued you know plateaued slash gone a little bit downhill since then and, and it's gone a little bit stale and we, there were signs in recent weeks where it was coming back together and they do have a couple of young back rows in particular who are coming through and adding something and some of them are injured right now but like their backs their back line looks like it's capable of doing something Kitsov has added to their pack but at the moment the full combination plus the bench that's probably not heavyweight enough to to really be a Champions Cup um, contender they are off it. Like you, know, they, like mm. you look at Leinster. Was it a last sixteen or quarter final last year where they got beaten out the gate at the Aviva and McFarland came in and blamed demographics and that's a bit weak. I think you mm. know you kind of I know we can see that Leinster do have <laughs> inherent advantages, but you're not supposed to say it. You know, especially yeah. as to defeat a coach. Maybe you talk about that when you win, but um, yeah, it's like they can if they get out of their pool, 
they're a good team. They could go away if they get a nice draw, but they're reliant on other factors. Where like we, I, you know, Leinster's still by far and away the strongest Irish team in this tournament, and really. I think the only one he could back from this position to go and win it. They managed to put a big crowd to the Aviva, which was good going considering they were playing a Stade Francais B team who they dispatched mm. with, with very little fuss. Kieran Frawley's injury, maybe a slight concern for Andy Farrell. It didn't sound too bad afterwards, judging by what, what Leo Cullen was saying. Yeah, and he was saying Harry Byrne is back this weekend as well, so that's probably a relief because he, he missed out. He was supposed to be on the bench last weekend. And I mean, Sam Prendergast, the upside of this is Sam Prendergast gets 40 minutes of, of Champions Cup rugby against a. Like yeah, Stad were very limited. They they sent over a kind of a yeah a B team with with a few decent subs, but they put it up to Leinster. I thought they they made it difficult, and Leinster made it difficult for themselves in that first half. Partly through their selection with the with the they went with two tractor locks with with Jenkins and, and Joe McCarthy, and Baird was calling the line out, and, and just they couldn't get that that right. It made a big difference when Ryan came on, but they did figure it out. I mean, we, we talked about Munster a couple of weeks ago when, when their lineout was going wrong and how they could have solved it. I thought Leinster problem solved that quite well. Mm. They showed I've been critical of their attack. Their twenty two entries in the first half were probably not getting what they wanted out of them, but as it went on, they became slicker and slicker and, and scored some really really lovely tries and a number of the Ireland players. As I said, they, it looked like it's Six Nations time. Yeah, it looks like they're kicking of, back into gear. Because we, we were only saying last week that we felt that Ringrose, Gibson Park, a couple others were sort of just, they weren't miles off, but you just could, you would be worried about the Six Nations if we went in with them all playing at that James level. James Lowe hadn't been playing, obviously he'd been injured, so yeah. he's back. Yeah, and he played quite well for a guy who hasn't played all season. Um, I just was a bit more relaxed, albeit looking at Toulouse and Bordeaux and the French teams and worrying about the level that they're at. Um, but I just sort of feel... Are these guys sort of mentally in the back of their head just, I need to get back to it now? It, I, I've I, kind of mentally had my off-season after the World Cup. I think there's, and, I, and there is a, I think I'd, I'd be quite forgive, for, forgiving of that. You know, the same, World Cup was same, such an emotional, yeah. Yeah. it's such a weird thing that the World Cup happens at the start of the season and then you've got back to play URC. And mm. like the URC was actually pretty reasonable this year, but it's still, if how do you get the World Cup flowing? several after, steps down. Absolutely, yeah. like the, you know the way you know fifty thousand Irish people in Paris, and then suddenly you're in Rodney Parade. You know that's like mm. that's that's got to bring you down, and it's got to affect everyone. You know it's got to, the Springboks. I mean, I think Kitsoff has said that you know the first couple of weeks he was at Ulster, really he wasn't there. You know he was still back in Cape Town mm. drinking champagne and going on open top bus tours. Like it's it's but fair the problem, enough. Sorry, the Cross, the problem for Ireland is that it's essentially the same group of players, bar a few from Munster and mm. maybe one from Ulster and a couple from Connacht that do. The Six Nations, the Summer Tours, the November Internationals, the um, World Cup, and then are also playing for Leinster and getting right to the semis or finals of every other competition. And that to do that season, you might just get away with it for a while, but I would just worry if this just keeps going that it's, you know, yeah, 12 uh, Leinster players. Yeah, like you're, you're, you are going to the well with the same group an awful lot, but at the same time, opposition coaches would look at that cohesion and that you know that level of, of, of familiarity and they'd say that's Ireland's greatest strength and I do think the fact that Joe McCarthy and Ryan Baird are like Leinster's best players week in week out one wasn't involved in the quarter final one came off the bench you know they're 24 and 21 were at the start of a Farrell said he was at the Rugby Riders Awards on Wednesday he said I, he hates the phrase World Cup cycles but if you were long term planning and doing your, your strategy seeing those two players emerge at, the, at this moment is really encouraging and he can freshen up Freshen things up by just introducing those two players and maybe one or two of the Munster guys into the squad. And there's a 
sense of renewal you've got Jack Crowley as well so there is a little bit of renewal there and, and those players will be bouncing into camp um, those who are named like Casey again is an, a player who is in really really good form or, or certainly he's put together one really really good performance away from home against Toulouse he's get, sorry against Toulon and he's getting picked ahead of Conor Murray at Munster so he has a chance to mm. having bided his time to, to do that so like the Six Nations like the, you know, the, most of them are contracted to be Ireland players and playing for Leinster is very important to them but what gets their juices flowing is going to Marseille on a Friday night in the first like that's going to feel like the World Cup It's yeah. gonna, I think that's going to feel really special the draw is pretty unkind in terms of you know England get Italy away and Wales at home which is a lovely way to ease yourself into the Six Nations Ireland have to start with a bang mm. and a week or two ago I think the, the conditions were playing a role in, in the fact that the things weren't clicking for the players but I would have been a bit worried about the form of a lot of the players we just saw at the weekend that, that, that they're timing the run a little bit and it's coming together there's no guarantees but they should be able to put together a really good performance in, in, in Marseille and see where that takes them yeah. Connacht have been the big disappointment from Absolutely, an Irish point yeah. of view they're in it again in, in with a chance against Leon, right? Yeah they put themselves and, and they're missing missing bodies Bundyaki wasn't involved um, and some of that I think is a choice you know they got a I mean, there's no URC for a while, so you, you wonder what the squad, what's behind that squad management. But they put themselves in a chance. But I just don't think that kind of pack can do it against that, those big French um, teams across the, the 80 minutes because they're able to rumble on a, a, a fresh tight five. They don't have the resources or the depth, and they're also you do. I think we do have to accept that this is year one for Pete Wilkins. I know he's a continuity appointment, but he has stepped up for Andy Friend who I think did a really good job and we're seeing how good a job he, he did um, his first head coach role he's got a new defence coach in Scott Fardy who's never really coached at this level before and John Muldoon is back um, doing the forwards and you know he's only just come back from Bristol so there is, you know, Pat Lama took three years to, to, to win the URC and they do deserve a little bit of time but you would they're collapsing a lot in games you know I think that Leinster defeat was really really damaging they might be better off out of Europe and being able to focus on one thing because of the limitation to their squad and when the the ground gets better in, in the next I mean that's, that was a, a 4G pitch over in Leon, so there's no excuse but as the weather gets better they can play the rugby that probably suits them I think this time of year it's a bit of a struggle for, for Connacht particularly on grass You mentioned you were at the announcement of Andy Farrell as Lions head coach mm. last week in a London hotel can you set the scene for the number one Lions so we fan Murph here so we were in it it was actually I'm a, sure, I it was just like a rugby club wasn't it yeah. it was about as far removed like the the, the Lions when, when I'm on the Lions I really enjoy it but like it, I, I can see why people, it, it grates with people and, and if you were there on, on Wednesday <laughs> it was on the 15th floor of the headquarters of a, a an insurance giant which I, I must confess I've never heard of it called, called Howden see, and this uh, they the can't be about, that great if you haven't heard no no this is the thing about insurance giants you want, they want to be so big you haven't even heard of them <laughs> <laughs> they own all of the insurance companies that you've heard of. That's what, well, that's they, what Howden is. I'm they appear say. to have all 15 of the floors on this London skyscraper. So they're, they're, they're obviously doing all right. Yeah, they're, they're, right. yeah, they're, they're an underdog story. Um, <laughs> and the, the, like, you walk through, you registered, and you went on a Lions branded lift up to the 15th right. floor. And yes, people right. were in breakout areas doing, you know, you know, they kind of had a Google approach to their office. And you went through there into a big, massive press conference room. And it was full of any, great Any hacky sack going on? I didn't see that. No, um, but the uh, the like. The, but they also had loads of grandees in there. So if you watched it on TV, there was loads mm. of applause and whooping and hollering when Andy Farrell was announced. But that wasn't the journalist. It was you know um, 
Gavin Hastings and yeah. um, people. Yian Evans. Evans was up on stage and he like he, he quite enjoyed interjecting whenever he, there was a silence. He thought he'd yeah. fill it. You know, it, it, it was an Andy Farrell press conference. <laughs> Yian got his got his oar in a fair bit. And Mr. Howden, whose name is on the Lions jersey, he's bought yeah. the, his rights uh, onto the jersey. Introduced Andy Farrell and he was loving being the the centre of attention. <laughs> right, you know, yeah, and he got the loudest round of applause at uh, all from the, yeah. in the back. We should have sent you to this. This is an opportunity <laughs> missed. Put it down for four years' time. You're going to I, the Lions. I, 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 I Coach announcement. I really do. Absolutely. So yeah, and then yeah, so they announced Farrell. He goes up. The first fifteen minutes were on Sky, and and it was all very nicey nicey. And then the, the the print, you know, the the broadcasters left the print guys with the the horn uh, the thorny job of uh, asking about Owen, um, which he didn't like, didn't enjoy. Um, Yian Evans and Ben Calvary, the CEO, sat alongside him. It was quite a it was quite a corporate event, mm. and they mentioned the Sea Red multiple times. Hashtag Sea Red. I mean, it's. That you know, they talked about how the last series was a disaster from a viewing point of view, and for most people, it, it soured them towards the whole idea. But Ben Calvi said that the audience engagement was excellent; they got great social media numbers, so great. that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that and that's all, what that the line's doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what about what about the, the key question here? Mm. Uh, situation: Murp described the idea that Andy Farrell has to take the Six Nations off in advance of the Lions tour, has to take a sabbatical from the Ireland job. Yeah. As completely deranged and an utter joke last week. Yeah, and why I, does he have to do it? I know. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't ask the question: is why this actually happens? Uh, the precedent is Gatland, and he always did it. Mm. But I listened to you talking about it last week, and you made a lot of sense. I think the appearance of neutrality is important in picking the squad. And if if Andy Farrell does end up picking twenty Irish players, having coached Ireland Six Nations, I can imagine the Welsh, uh, English, particularly Welsh reaction. I can just see yeah. it now. And they're going maybe to forget that Andy Farrell's been Ireland manager for the previous seven years. No, I mean, and like, no, I mean the Irish people reacted the same way to Gatland, even though he took yeah. the sabbatical. Didn't really guard him yeah. against you know, yeah, that, yeah. you know when he dropped a Driscoll, no one was saying, but he took a sabbatical. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. That, was, that wasn't really a factor. Um, it's obviously baked into what the Lions want, and Farrell's had to agree to it. You wonder why the RFU agreed to it. I mean, David Nusfora said he was ecstatic, or the RFU mm. would be ecstatic. I don't think they really feel that way. I mean, I think there's people within the RFU, Nusfora, maybe one of them, who go, "Why are we doing this? Why? Yeah. Why are we sending our best players off to be broken by by an eight week or a six week tour of? I mean, Australia is not the most da- uh, demanding, but you're still playing against Will Skelton, who I don't know if you saw him yesterday. He was outstanding. He's the best player in the world, probably, and you know he's well able to break a few lads. Um, you know, South Africa, New Zealand, these are really draining, big moments that leave players in a really difficult place yeah. a bit like World Cups and you're doing it for a cause that's separate but are, there are a few I think Blazers and the money men would say well this is actually we're, we're a contributing part of this it's very valuable to our, our game our brand we can't just be at World Cups so to go back to the original question I think it is that appearance neutrality it's that idea I mean they said they had like loads of meetings to pick him as coach and, and you know six hour meetings where they discuss all the yeah. I don't know where what they were doing in those Rory, meetings they're all making a ton of money out of the lines of course yes. you're going to have six hour <laughs> meetings if you have a three hour meeting you can only have one delicious meal you know very true if you, if you spread it out over a day then you might even need an overnight yeah so I mean the whole thing like it is absurd like yeah, like it's genuinely daft like I'm looking at the world rankings here Ireland are the second best team in the world apparently England are the fifth best team in the world Scotland are the sixth best team in the world Wales are above Australia yeah in the world rankings like any one of the four countries could go do a three uh, a three uh, game test against Australia and by the world rankings expect to win yeah so the idea that you're that we're losing our head coach for six months over this I mean like I've, I've read obviously there was like uh, Stephen Jones just like 
blew my mind yesterday but uh, saying that the World Cup was like the second division and this is like the Premier League of World I mean I, I, I think we took a, a notion like 10 years ago to just not mention Stephen Jones on the show so I think maybe I should just retract that forget about that but like I mean it's 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 Australia are a poor rugby team and they're not getting like it's not like oh Australia have, have previously had a good team now they're going through a period of transition Australia have been garbage for 10 years own. and they're losing uh, any of their best players to rugby league like they're losing them hand over fist yeah. so there's no expectation that Australia are going to be any better I mean maybe Joe Schmidt takes over well, that's maybe. The, I think that's what everyone's crossing their fingers for I think that part of this is a bit of a I mean, it's, sorry, it's on the schedule, so they go. Yeah. They said they don't. Ha- they don't have to go to these places every four years, but it's kind of on a rotation. They're on life support, Australian rugby, and they've got the World Cup in twenty twenty seven. I think the part of it is like the, the club going. We, you know, the club looks after its own, yeah, very much yeah, so, yeah. and they're going. We need to get these fans out to Australia to give them some cash, um, which obviously is not Andy Farrell's priority in any way. We and should pay Joe Schmidt's salary as well. Well, I mean. There will be. I, I'd like get to, on to your man Howden. He might have a few. Uh, quid yeah, he, he might be sponsoring both teams by then. You yeah. know? But like, I think Joe would give it a, an extra layer of of something. Yeah. You know. But for Farrell, I think he'd actually find this whole sabbatical quite frustrating. Like, you know, he yeah. does. He, he. I asked him you know, about balancing the two roles, and he was saying, "Well, I'm sitting in the car every day thinking about the Six Nations. I'm, I'm well. I only think about rugby. I watch rugby through the prism. I think he probably thinks it's bullshit as well. Yeah. But he has. He, they seem to think that he has to be seen to do it. But you make it like the the point you make is very valid. Like it is difficult to pull the four teams together, and 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 it is an interesting project. And w- the squad selection it becomes a big talking point, and it, yeah. it, like it does, it does seem to work as a concept. And by the time it arrives, people are interested in it. But, but I think do you know far where, more do you know when it works and why it works is that all the great players that work together, train together, make each other better, and then make beautiful things happen, like the Sean O'Brien try. How long ago was that? Eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, and the lines never Those moments where you go, oh, I love seeing this Welsh fullback combined with this brilliant Irish flanker, and then it all flows, and they, a great rugby happens, as opposed to the last time where, like, you could have, as Murph says, taken three days preparation and employed that Gatlin yeah. game plan. Whereas Farrell at least will, I think, have ambition, and yeah. he will actually require more time to get that game plan but, in but motion. Sorry, 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 are you saying he needs to take the Six Nations off to do no, that? No, I still don't think he needs to because do that. Because he's but, not but, coaching the players during that time anyway. Yeah. Because as Murph outlined the other day, I think this is the key point, if he's doing the job as Ireland coach, he is fully engaged in the stuff that he needs to be engaged in yeah. while uh, being the Lions coach. He's yeah. seeing all the games, he's analysing the opposition, he's analysing his own team, he's doing all those things. Mm. So I don't see the the benefit to being... You know, I don't I don't disagree, but just to give the other the counterpoint, I guess, I, I do think he will visit the other co- camps during the Six Nations, so he will go and spend three days with Wales, three days with England, yeah. and will spend time watching them train, which seems to be a very... He probably will gain access to their data analysis that he wouldn't normally have as Ireland coach now whether he then slips that to Simon needs to be I, I, I don't know I mean he's still I, I do imagine behind the scenes I always thought Gatlin was involved in those Wales campaigns Ireland beat yeah. Wales in the opening day in 2013 and came back and Wales came back and won that tournament under Rob, Rob Howley I always felt that Gatlin had more of a role than he right. was allowed to have um, but like Farrell the, even the idea of the Lions being Ruby's greatest um um, test that it's Ruby's greatest, Ruby's greatest challenge to pull them all together Stephen Jones was in the Sunday's press conference and he asked them and he kind of painted a picture of the Lions as, as one of Ruby's great failures they don't win many many series yeah, yeah. You know, they don't really harness the potential very well and Farrell has this no excuses um, mentality and he's gone oh, I don't think it's hard 
which kind of defeats the purpose <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, because yeah. I look, no, I love adversity. I love. I don't think it's that hard to do it. I think we're gonna do, we'll be fine. And it's like, well, well, what's the point then? If, yeah, you think, yeah, if yeah. you think it's gonna be easy, but like the record does say, even when they went to Australia, who were poor in 2013 as well, they still lost the game. They wanted to. Yeah. I went to a decider. Now they hammered them in the decider. They ha- that was the only series they've won since '97. So it is still hard, even though it probably shouldn't be in a professional area. Like, it, and it's anachronistic. I think I think your your points are very very valid, and I wish I'd asked why you're doing why you take why do you feel the need to have this mm. break? We just all made kind of went went with it, and there was an assumption made. Um, he's up to six stations launched next week, so maybe there's a chance there. But the um, it, it's it, you know the data analysis thing is like as you're saying that I'm like okay, well that's that's good, but at the same time he still can't do anything with that data until yeah he could he could access the, the six stations and it'll, be be, and it'll be a much more complete picture afterwards yeah. as well. So I mean even as I make that argument, I don't fully believe yeah, in it, yeah. but I'm just I, trying I, to think of how they would frame it. Yeah, I get the impression there's like three of us shouting at you and you're like basically agreeing. With <laughs> I'm taking the lion's position. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I did take a check from Mr. Howden. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely tote bag. It is so interesting yeah. that Farrell probably also agrees with us. Yeah. You know, I, the I, guy think is, the, I think the one um, uh, kind of po- point of interest in relation to the... Like that kind of... Uh, it's been painted by people in the RFU that, oh, Andy Farrell is going to get a chance to learn from all these brilliant players, mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm Donald Lennon made that point, and I've you know everyone knows everyone yeah, yeah. Knows if they bother following our opinions, how yeah. much respect we'd have for Donald Donald Lennon and his opinion on rugby matters. But his point was that they not only is an advantage; it's an advantage in two ways. One, he gets to understand the lay of the land in Australia yeah. ahead of us playing a World Cup there in a couple of years, in a few years' time. And secondly, exactly that that he gets to soak up all the knowledge of what the players in the other camps are all about. Yeah, but I mean the information flow is massively weighted against Ireland and towards all the other I mean if you say that Andy Farrell is the best manager in the or best coach in the Northern Hemisphere which some people might say I mean he's give, been given the job that would suggest that he is that then England Wales and Scotland all get a chance to play under Andy Farrell get a much deeper understanding of what he's doing mm. what his coaching philosophy which weakens Ireland by any metric it weakens Ireland because they have a much better understanding of what our head coach is all about that doesn't make sense though because Gatland was very successful with Wales all through his Lions tenure yeah that that may well be the case but you uh, you still can't make the argument that Ireland are learning more I mean the success or failure doesn't really come into it it's like you're making the argument that the information flow benefits Ireland when the inf- information flow of course True. obviously True. is from a management to players I don't actually mind that so much I, I, I don't mind because that's like saying well he shouldn't be the Lions coach at all because he's going to give away yeah. information. I don't have a problem with him being the Lions coach. That's fine. He just doesn't have to take time off yeah. from the Ireland job to do it. Like the idea... Of course, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that this is another uh, sort of benefit that people are saying that we have. I mean, of course, like, like it is it is an honour. And like, I do actually enjoy the Lions tour. I mean, I didn't enjoy the last Lions tour, but I've very much enjoyed watching Lions games over the course of the last 20 years. Absolutely. They're a good laugh. They're, you know, they're, it's fun to see how this whole thing meshes. And, you know, if your head coach wants to do it, fine. But don't throw this idea of information flow being a benefit to Ireland as a justification for him taking six months off. It's, yeah. it's just it is nonsense. The position of Ireland coach of any national team is a really prestigious position, and if the reason that he's taking time away from that in our most important competition, besides the World Cup in the Six Nations, if the reason he's taking time off for that is so that he's not perceived to be biased in selecting a squad for another international team, essentially the Lions, mm. it just seems. But so we're saying 
he's taking time off. He's taking Six Nations off in case Wales fans get pissed off because he picks Harry Byrne as third choice fly half of yeah. the Lions ahead of Reese Patchell. Do you know what I mean? It just seems yeah. absolutely ludicrous. Lion... You're, you're the Ireland coach. Coach Ireland. And then if you can marry that with the Lions, that's great. If you can if you can juggle all that, that's fine. But I don't see why mm. the coach... Anyway. Yeah, but I think being Lion is, is seen as being a greater honour. You know, I think even the players will say it's the greatest honour of their career. Um, you know... Remember Carl Finkler? Remember Carl Finkler didn't make the lines te- uh, test really, and he's like, "Didn't make the squad." Is, yeah. You didn't make the squad, and then he was like, "Well, this this hurts me more than anything I've you know that's ever happened to me." And I was like, "Kyle, you lost a World Cup final two years ago. Yeah, like how selfish could you be to say something like that? You yeah. know, I'm just anyway. Listen. Yeah, but Farrell wanted it. I think that's the thing, yeah. I, and I think yeah. it was baked into the contract, the four year extension, that he would do it, and you know, I'm that, sure it was. And, and, yeah. uh, so I. And he's not a stupid man. I think he, like, it's interesting though. The point you make there, own like, he won't. You know, the argument against picking kind of trial players during the Six Nations is that it is our most important competition. And you know, I can't throw Craig Casey or Mike Lowry in against yeah. France. I, you know, we have to win this for prize money. Well, the coach is fecking off for a year. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's that's a valid. Like, you can throw that back at him next year if he's not making the necessary experimentations and going. We want to win the Six Nations. Like, well, you want to win next year, don't you? As well, mm. but you're not going to be here. So, like, it can be. It is a risk. I think there's a risk to Farrell. Mm. You know, if things start going wrong and he's gone for us, and they, you know, finish in the bottom half of the table. I remember Wales doing quite badly under Howley at least one of the time, mm. one of the Six Nations. Yeah, they, I think one went bad and one, one went well, and okay. you know, Gatlin kind of came back and steal them. But the World Cups always went quite well. I mean, Wales have consistently outperformed Ireland mm. at World Cups, even when Gatlin was away with the Lions. So, I, like Farrell, as I say, he doesn't really believe in World Cup cycles, and he, I think he likes having just. Um, just challenges yeah. uh, and winning things along the way. So he thinks he he sees massive upside in it. We did ask him what what do you think it'll bring to Irish rugby, and he thinks he'll be a better coach as a result of what, it. So there's something to be said for that. What about the ultimate bias of choosing your own son as captain or player or whatever it may be? It's such a thorny topic because they make it so thorny. You know, they, he um, so Owen doesn't play gay, play ball at all with the English media or any media really. Does he? he doesn't talk about anything. Never mind his dad. It's funny. I, I before Saracens Bordeaux yesterday, they, they broadcast an interview from the EPCR launch between Farrell and Owen Farrell and a French journalist where he talked about his dad and how much advice he gets from him, how he talks to him every day, oh, really? and, and all this. So I was like, no, I've never heard this before. Yeah. So he was way more open about that day. He also talked to the English media about how much he was looking forward to getting back with England. And and then you know broke up with them a week later. So mm. um, Owen and Andy, I think when when Owen emerged as a as a serious proposition, they probably made a pact that they weren't mm. ever going to really talk about each other. And Andy has, I think, mellowed about that over the years because he knows the questions are coming. I remember the first Six Nations game; he was head coach against Owen. We did a it was just before lockdown. We did a press down in Cork, and he talked. He kind of had a pre prepared script of what he was going to say about Owen and you know he obviously came out very emotionally about the abuse he was getting after the in the midst of that mm. red card in the in the summer um, but he was very uncomfortable with it at the weekend and I really thought he should have had a pre-prepared answer for that as well I think they, the plan was that he would answer, give a short answer and Calvary the Lions MD mm. would step in with the kind of the official one but but and if you're aware your son's gone through a tough time and his family apparently and to the point where he's actually stepped out of the England setup then you're very worried about what you say and how it'll impact your family. So it's not just like a coach dealing with a tricky question about, I don't know what. I agree, but he's also a potential player that you're going to bring on this tour. He's still, you know, he hasn't retired. Mm. It's not like he can say, look, Owen's retired and I wish him all the best. Owen is potentially the captain of the squad. I mean, and and if you flip it, what a story it would be to have a father-son combination leading the Lions (laughs) to Australia and Owen Farrell going on his fourth tour. Like, there is a... 
I, I, I think I think like if I was picking a squad tomorrow, I would have own Cap- Farrell as the captain because you know England and Ireland don't have captains. Wales are sharing theirs, mm. and Jamie Ritchie, you know, is not guaranteed or you know he's not guaranteed a place in the squad. Never mind a place in mm. the Test team. So Owen Farrell will be my captain if there was a squad going tomorrow. Whether two years in France affects that, who knows? But. Um, he's going to have to come up with a, yeah. a way of dealing with it because it's going to like the journalists are just doing their job I know he got annoyed with individual journalists he kind of one he said look you're going for the own angle aren't you and like it's, it's a real source of public interest yeah. and then another player, guy um, Chris Foy from the Mail said look I'm sorry Andy to ask this about Owen he goes you're not really are you and he goes no but you don't have to answer it so that's a position he could take mm. but it only invites more questions so it's tricky he needs to figure it out yeah yeah uh, having one last look at the world rankings here and the gap between Wales and Australia 8th and ninth, is like about three of these ranking points the gap between Australia and Fiji is one of those ranking points so I reckon in a couple of years we may actually have to decamp to Fiji for this uh, Lions tour and if it is I'm prepared to put my Lions apathy to one side <laughs> and tour Fiji with the Lions full eight weeks I'll do the full eight weeks we'll play all the Pacific Islands <laughs> if we have to and I'll be there on thanks there. Rory cheers lads most sports nutrition experts would argue that the, the fueling begins, but the most important element of it is the day before, particularly the night before. So maybe could you yeah. take us through your routine? To win the Premier League is a war on nutrition. Okay, well, the night before I had a, I had sort of a chicken salad. Yeah, perfect. Lovely, perfect. I put a bit of pesto on. I mean, oh, I put okay. half a jar. That's too much pesto, but it's not the end of the world. <laughs> And I actually bulked up that chicken salad with a bit of Israeli couscous. We're still okay. We're still in the realms of pretty good nutrition, I would say, the day before a race. I had uh, two beers. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. Um, okay, not ideal, but not the end of the world. I had a small Pringles. You know the Ritter, Ritter Sport Bars? I hadn't seen cornflake one before. Nobody had any soup to start with, nobody had any puddings to finish with, they had fish and chips. Okay, I had a whiskey and coke. No, no, come on, not great, not great. Not after the beers. Uh, well, it was a whiskey and coke zero. You know, you probably know what direction I was, I was thinking, we'll have another whiskey. You could have uh-huh. one drink, no more, and then you're back to the hotel and you're off to bed. Then I was thinking, what will I have? Nah, you know what, you know, I'll have a cup of tea. Okay, uh, perfect. I had tea, then I had a few digestive biscuits. Well, the, the, uh, there was a suggestion that there was sort of an all-you-can-eat sort of a thing going on. I wasn't counting them. I wasn't counting them. They were like buns to an elephant. <laughs> I was just hoovering them up. <laughs> and then just before I went to bed, I had a slice of toast with Nutella. No! It was whole grain. It was whole grain bread. <laughs> Some of the other sport going on at the weekend, such as the NFL playoffs, the start of the Australian Open, tennis. We're going to be covering all of that during the week on the World Service if you want to become a member to listen to that you can do it on secondcaptains.com for just 5 euro a month plus VAT depending on where in the world you're living our favourite guest of 2023 has made a good start to 2024 Ronnie O'Sullivan winning his 8th Masters title to go with his 8th UK Championship if he wins the Crucible this year it'll be how many World Titles Ken? so I just said he's won I just said he's won eight of each of the other two. Eight, correct. Yeah. Well, he taught he, he taught eight, you were, eight, nine. You were doing yeah. the yeah. Ken Early double bluff, force mm. you into saying something that sounds obvious. And he's also he going for the triple crown in the same year for the first time ever, trying to win those three in the same year. I'm surprised he's never put himself in contention to do that. I would have thought at some stage maybe he's won two and then has gone to the World Championships with a chance to win all three in the same year, but that hasn't happened. Wow, not just yet for him. He was typically dismissive of his beaten opponent Ali Carter last night after the match. And, you know, he's asked about how he won the tournament. It's all very Ronnie. He's like, yeah, 
play well. I just had to stay in the game and make. Hang around and wait for this guy to fuck up. Honestly, Gee, that Julie was did. it. <laughs> and then cut the stony face shot of Ali Carter sitting yeah. there. Then he'd say something like, "You know, there were a lot of long balls that that Ali could have taken on there and just didn't take them on." <laughs> Cuts to shot of stony faced Ali Carter again. You're thinking, poor Ali Carter. I, I'm thinking, well, at least Ali Carter. He seems like he's been around as long as Ronnie O'Sullivan, but he's he's picked up a couple of these over the years. Yeah. No, he hasn't won any of the major events oh, in his. God very long career I love that he can be cruel to these perfectly harmless dull snooker players I, who, yeah. and I wouldn't mind Ali Carter actually made and an attempt and pricks like us just lap at them like, oh <laughs> yeah. Ronnie you card Ali, Ali Carter's first thing and his thing was like oh he's starting to annoy me now about Ronnie you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. beating him for the whatever amount of times he's beaten him so you would think that would maybe charm Ronnie on side no. alas no but I think O'Sullivan was actually funnier after beating Sean Murphy in the semi-finals yeah I don't feel that old I mean I feel I feel <laughs> I know my age is, but I feel young in my mind. I feel young when I'm around the table. I feel a lot younger around the table than I do when I'm playing these young players. They look old, the way they... You know, their, 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 their brains are quite slow. So for me, um, I still feel like my brain's pretty quick around the snooker table, which is, which is enough, you know? So, um, yeah, they need to get their act together because I'm going blind. I've got a dodgy arm and bad knees. They still can't beat me. Ah. <sighs> See, like, I love that. That's brilliant. And I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm legitimizing like... and, in fact, encouraging this level of disrespectful behavior in Ronnie O'Sullivan. This was, that was on Eurosport after the sentence. It sounded like canned laughter. It did. It almost sounded like they love him so much that mm. it sounds like fake laughter. Uh, because it's just so can anyone really be laughing that much at these guys yeah they absolutely can and <laughs> like just wait journalists for the, at a Steve Bruce press conference just wait for the crucible crowd to get going if he wins that's going to be in April slash May so if he wins that he'll go ahead of Stephen Henry with eighth eight world titles all on his own thanks guys thanks Murph thanks, thank, you thank, you. Thanks, thanks, thank you very thanks much thanks again thanks Murph we'll talk to you tomorrow if you're a world service member thanks for listening That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.